Promised, a podcast about the hope and good news of Jesus, always including God's promises to encourage you along the way and show you how much God really loves you. Welcome to Promised with Zach Cole. We're glad you're here. When I first heard of this concept, justification, specifically justification by faith alone, it stopped me dead in my tracks. This is one of the first things I can remember being told or heard, and I won't get into the stories of it, but it was just a concept that I had never heard of growing up. Now, to be fair, it might have been referenced. It, I'm, I'm sure it had to have been discussed, but just for me, it just either went right over my head or I just wasn't interested in listening or no one really specifically laid it out for me what it means, this doctrine of justification, justification by faith alone. So what is it? Justification is the act of God in which he declares people righteous by his grace through faith in Jesus. And that word declares, I think, is very important here because it's God announcing, God proclaiming, God declaring that you are righteous by his grace through faith that is given to you in Jesus. So if you notice that this is all of God's action on your behalf for Christ's sake, and it's, it's a declaration, it's, a, it's an announcement of what God is declaring you to be. Not that you are righteous, not that, that you are a just person, but because God says you are, because God has declared it to be. Specifically, this comes through by faith in Jesus Christ, by faith in God's promise, and some scripture that supports that. And I'm not going to go through all the exhaustive scriptures that talk about justification, but there's some key scripture passages that I want to read for us that help uh, provide some background, because something I think that is very important uh, in this podcast as well is that, um, that I will always have in the show notes a list of scripture references for the topics we talk about. So it's not just you know, Zach Cole getting up here and running his mouth about <laughs> whatever. Uh, always, always, always uh, take Scripture's word for it. Scripture is the authority. You know, all of us can point each other to Scripture. We can tell each other and help each other and counsel each other on what God's word says. But, you know, God's word is the authority of what he has said. And that should be our stance, that unless we are convinced by the Bible— you know, we can't go against what our conscience and understanding His Word says. Uh, so always keep that as the authority. So Romans 3, Romans chapter 3, uh, this is uh, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 through 26 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. They're talking about Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that means propitiation, that's an, an atoning sacrifice. It's 
uh, in referencing the uh, uh, the sacrificial uh, 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 seat of atonement in the Old Testament. We can might get that into another podcast in the future, but that's basically when you think here propitiation, think uh, sacrifice uh, upon a mercy seat for us uh, for sin. So let me get back to where we were. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And then Romans 4, 1 through 3 says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? That's Abraham, you know, Father Abraham has many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. You know, for all you Sunday school kids, uh, uh, there was that. They're talking about that Abraham from the Bible. Uh, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Here's the kicker. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham's righteousness was not because Abraham earned it, through his works. It was not because Abraham was a good guy. It was not because Abraham uh, made some progress in his earthly walk in his life. How did Abraham become righteous or get declared righteous? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So belief, believing God's word, believing what God had promised to Abraham, God then takes that faith, takes that belief, takes that gift of belief in what God has says, and God uses that to count Abraham as if he were righteous, declaring him righteous. So faith here in God's promise, Abraham is reckoned righteous through it by God. Romans 5, 6 through 9. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? And then in the book, in the letter to Galatians, the letter to the church in Galatia called Galatians, chapter 3, verse 8 through 14, we read, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by to him as or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, 
know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Now that is huge on so many fronts for so many reasons. In the Old Testament, the promise was given to Abraham and his offspring. And for many, many generations, people thought that that only meant through like the physical offspring of Abraham, which would become the Jewish people. But this, in so many other passages, Scripture makes clear that the promise through Abraham was the promise one who would come, the offspring, the promised Messiah. Therefore, all who believe in the promised Messiah, all who believe in Christ and what he has done for them, specifically dying, living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death for us and raising for us in our eternal life, by believing in that, we are included in this offspring of Abraham. A promise that was not, quote-unquote, supposed to be for the Gentiles, people who aren't Jews. Now the promise is given to not just Jews, but to Gentiles as well. That's, that means all, y'all. <laughs> the promise is given to the whole world. The promise of Jesus Christ, crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, is for everyone. And that is awesome. And why is this good news? Why is this good news that we're justified or we're justified by faith? It's, it's good news because it means it's no longer riding on you. It's no longer riding on me. It's no longer, I'm not being told to lift up myself by my spiritual bootstraps to reconcile myself with God. Not only, because I can't, I can't. I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect. You can't be perfect. So w w the law, it, obedience to the law or, or the law will not save anyone. That is not what the law does. The law shows you that you need a savior. The law shows you that you are a sinner. So that's why the doctrine of justification by faith alone is so awesome and so important, and it is why the entire Christian faith hinges and or it stands or falls on this. Because if you remove the concept of justification, if you remove the idea that we're declared righteous on account of Christ alone, if you remove that from the Christian faith, you no longer have the Christian faith. Every other religion in the world that I can think of, and please, if you know one that that doesn't do this, please let me know. Every other religion in the world tells you, here's the ladder, start climbing. 
if you want to reach God, if you want to reach enlightenment, if you want to reach heaven, if you want to reach all of these wonderful things that you hope to have after you die. That's what every religion says in the world. Every other religion in the world says you'll be justified by what you do. And the Christian faith is different in this. It tells you, lets you know, hey, you're not going to be justified by what you do. You can't be justified by what you do. You're a sinner. You're toast. The wages of sin is death. Dead people can't get better. Dead people can't improve. Dead people can't speak. Dead people don't do anything because they're dead. So this is why the Christian faith is different and why justification is different. God comes to the dead soul, comes to the dead person with the gospel, Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, believe that and you will be saved, and breathes life, eternal life, into a dead sinner. And that dead sinner now lives because of Christ, because he lives, and because this gift is given through faith in his son. And that is a different game altogether. That is a different show altogether. Because now we are no longer given a ladder to climb up to get God. We are given a cross that tells us, here's the cross where God the Son climbed down, came to earth to get on it for sinners. We are saved not because of the good things and the good promises that we make to God. We are saved because of the good things and the good promises that God has made to us. And to close this out, there's two stories, one in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament, that I think fire brings home this idea of what being justified looks like. It's a declaration. It's not an invitation. It's not a deal. It's not a a quid pro quo. It's not a, if you do this for God, God will do this for you. It's none of that. It's a gift and it's a declaration. It's an announcement of something that has happened. And one of the best examples of this can be found in the story of the prodigal son. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, and I'm, you hear wrestling, I'm getting out my Bible because I want to read right in it. If you haven't, aren't familiar with this story, go and check it out. Read it. Read all of the cultural background, historical background for this story because I'm not going to get into it right now. I might, might get into it in a future podcast, but it's so good and it is really, really cool. It's in the, the one I'm reading from here is in the gospel of Luke. This is Jesus' words. He's tell, telling this parable and it's shocking people when he's telling them this um, because you, as you'll know in the story, you know, fathers, especially fathers who are old enough to have sons who are old enough to leave the home, just don't behave like this. They just don't. Um, some background, a the younger son, not even the older son, so the younger son who's not even entitled to an inheritance, basically asks his father for his inheritance now, which, you know, you only get inheritances if the person dies back then. He's basically asking for his inheritance early. He's wanting his father to be dead uh, so that he can get what quote unquote belongs to him. And his father just gives it to him. He gives him the inheritance and the young son goes and blows the entire inheritance on wild, reckless living. Think of all the things that, you know, a sinful, immature young man would do or a young woman, throw that in there too. Think about all the things that they would waste their life with on hard living, just wilding out, doing all the worst debauchery uh, things you could think of. And he blows it. And he becomes so destitute and so 
He's starving, basically. He's in a far-off country, and it hits him. Wait a minute. The servants back at my father's house have it better than I do. What am I doing? I've, I've made a wreck of my life. I know. I'll go home, and I will hope to be allowed to be a servant on my father's property and at least have some food and live a little better than I'm living right now. He was eating pig slop, uh, if you go into the story and look. And so here's this son. He's going to go back to his father's house, hoping to be a servant. There, that's the background. So I'm going to start here at uh, Luke chapter 15, verse, um, let's see, where am I going to start? Verse 20. And he, that's the prodigal son, and he arose and came to his father. So he's made his way back to his father's house. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's what justification looks like. Did this prodigal son deserve that kind of welcome? Absolutely not. He didn't. The, the, the only thing the prodigal son had to contribute to this story in this situation was his debauchery, his awful, sinful living. That was it. That's what he contributed. That's what he contributed to his relationship with the father. He was the, 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 the horrible, wretched son, the prodigal son, right? And how does the father treat him? How does the father greet him? The father's ready to have a party. The father declares that a party is going to happen. Why? Why did the father do that in this particular story? Why did the son get that from the father? Well, the father tells you in the story. Because his son who was dead is alive. The father can't help himself. He loves his son so much. Even when he knew the son had wrecked his life and blew the inheritance, he loved his son so much that that stuff did not move the gauge of his love, of the father's love for the son. All the father tells us is that he's ready to throw a party because his son who was dead is now alive. And what does he do? The first thing he does is he puts the best robe on him. He covers his alive son now with a robe signifying that he, 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 he belongs to the father. The best robe. Not the robe that the son deserved or earned. The best robe to cover him. And, you know, the prodigal son is still the prodigal son inside of this robe. But now everyone who looks at the son now, they're like, ah, he's back. He's alive. There's the father's son. He's recognized now by the robe that he's wearing. 
in the same way, in the same way, this is what justification also looks like. Here you are, dead uh, child of God, or dead, dead, dead person. And through faith in Christ, God looks at you and is thrilled that their dead child is now alive and covers you with the best robe, this robe of righteousness, this robe that was earned for, paid for, died for by Jesus Christ himself. And it's given to you as a gift to wear as if yours, to be clothed with the righteousness of God as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what justification is. It's like being in the courtroom of God and being declared guilty through because of your sin in the law. And your advocate, Christ, comes forward and a robe, Christ's robe is placed on you because your sin was placed on Christ on the cross. Ah, the, the, the great exchange, the happy exchange, that, that's a future episode. And then God declares you righteous because of what Christ did for you and because of what God has given to you, what God is pleased to give you through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, am I still, you know, the same, you know, Zach Cole, sinful Zach Cole underneath the robe? In a lot of ways, yes. But I'm also a new creation because I am now someone who has this robe of righteousness that God has given to me. As a gift, God declared me righteous because of what Christ has done. And one more, I did promise you a story in the Old Testament, and we'll end with this. Remember, if you go back and you look and see where Adam and Eve are being expelled from the garden, remember how they tried to cover them their nakedness up with fig leaves, right? And they're trying to, uh, uh, they know they have to leave the garden, and check this out. Genesis 3. Genesis 3.20. This is after Adam and Eve hear all their punishments. And they did get a promise too. A promised seed that would crush the serpent's head. But as they were being kicked out of the garden. This is after they tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. Verse 20 says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. All right, this is the verse that I wanted to get to. Verse 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is significant. God used the skin of something else that wasn't Adam and Eve. We don't know. It doesn't say what particular type of skins, but God covers Adam and Eve with a better covering for them. This points to, just like all the things in the Old Testament do, they, this points to Christ and this robe that we see in so many passages in the New Testament as well. The robe of righteousness being declared justified by God through faith in Jesus Christ is so awesome. And when I first heard this concept of being justified by faith alone, and realizing that I was covered, that I was free, that I was okay with God because of what Christ did. In so many ways, it felt like I was walking, walking through the gates of heaven for the first time. 
just like uh, this old reformer said how he felt when he realized that righteousness was a gift and not something that we had to earn. And now we're at the daily feature ending on or, or having a promise for you in each episode. And this promise, I was going to read all the chapter of Romans 4. I think that's going to take too long here. So that's your homework for this episode is go read Romans chapter 4. Read Romans 3 and 4. Read all of Romans, but specifically for this episode, read Romans 3 and 4. Romans 4 specifically talks about the faith Abraham had in God and how God used that, how God credited Abraham with righteousness because of the belief that Abraham had in God's promises. And here's this one specific promise that that was listed in in, uh, Romans 4. And it's probably my favorite verse. Romans 4, 5. Romans 4, 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Thanks so much for joining me on the very first episode of Promised. Remember that God loves you so much more than you think he does. And the good news is so much better than you think it is. The good news is that Jesus paid it all and that through him, you are forgiven. You are reconciled. You are saved. You are promised eternal life for Christ's sake. That's the end of this episode of Promised. And now we're going to have Knox Cole read us the verse that is a promise from God to you. And to the one who does not work, but believe in him, he justifies in Godly. His faith is counted as righteousness. Romans 4, 5.